Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That will always start a fight. <laughs> guys want to fight? Welcome to a special episode of Dearly Debated, where you're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. And today we will actually be having a formal debate, as we have mentioned multiple times. Is this really I a think... formal debate? I don't, I, don't, well, I don't know how formal it is. Okay, formal-ish debate. I'll, I mean, exp- I'll explain how it's going to work in a second. We're both wearing basketball shorts, so uh, <laughs> it can't be too I mean, formal. No, you're both wearing suit. You're both wearing tuxedos uh, yeah. with top hats. I'm a big fan of the And no one can tux. prove that it's not work. That's that's not true. So. We've mentioned many times, Greg and I, on the podcast, our, our disdain for The Last Jedi, which was a divisive film. And obviously, you know, if you like The Last Jedi, that's not a bad thing. No, uh, not at all. But, you know, other people don't have to like it. So that's we fine. may end up, you know, we may have this debate and neither of us change our opinion. And you know what? That's okay. Movies are subjective. Art is subjective. So you take one, you have your take, someone else has their take. Respect their Respect their opinion. Even if you disagree with how they perceived it, perception is different from different people. So, but we don't like The Last Jedi. Ashley loves The Last Jedi. I do love The Last Jedi. So, so we're going to hash it out a little bit today. And just to clarify, I mean, the debate, it, I mean, it's, it's obviously not going to be on, like, whether we like a film or not. It, it should, it, it is no, going no, to be pointing out, like, the finer the, points of The right, Last the, Jedi. The, the, the objective values on, like critiquing a film there so 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 like the in conclusion not being like oh no 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 we're not we're not I like it, you don't like it and that's like, not what we're arguing about okay okay we're arguing about like what 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 did ashley like that we didn't like okay and, you know those are those will be individual topics part objective parts of the movie that we we have different takes on sure. i'm assuming right. we'll see uh, i haven't actually hashed this out with you right that's okay you and greg have so <laughs> it was also a long time ago yeah, i can't I, even I mean, really I, remember it was I a mean, little bit broken like it was kind of like there's also more to light now that there's right. another movie to talk like right. true, true. this will be a good for us too like right, yeah right. Totally. a good a good uh rehash it was done in a kitchen it wasn't very formal <laughs> yeah so there was food being eaten I mean, between i mean words to, being to be said. fair greg you were wearing jedi robes i was also <laughs> well i think that means he automatically wins the debate right? um, I, I don't know i was dressed as 11 from stranger things so <laughs> she definitely deserves some credit for that all right but before we get started as always this week in history maybe for July 13th, in 1930, the first World Cup takes place in Uruguay. Uruguay beat Argentina 2-1 in the final. FIFA was forced to retract the prize and later issue an apology and a real trophy after it, uh, it turned out the initial prize was a red solo cup filled with malt liquor. In uh, 1985, New Coke debuts 
to great public outcry. The FTC and the FDA issued a joint statement condemning the product, stating, Coke is damn lucky the Hague is busy or we bust their ass for crimes against humanity. <laughs> Coca-Cola withdrew the product and the FTC and FDA retracted their comments in favor of a less profane statement. And happy birthday to Sir Patrick Stewart, best known for traveling back in time from the 24th century and using his telekinetic powers to help people around the world. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. His favorite beverage is Earl Grey tea, piping hot, and he regularly shaves his head. Otherwise, he would grow, in the words of Ian McKellen, a truly astounding afro. So, happy birthday, Pat Stew. Happy I love you. Happy birthday, please, Pat please at me. I, I love you, Pat Patrick Stewart. He seems like a great guy. Cool guy. Picard, pretty good. Pretty good. Turned 80 today. Yeah. Which is yes, amazing. He did. You guys remember when the ice bucket challenge was happening? Mm-hmm. And he and Ian like, McKellen challenged, and he sits back in his chair, leans forward, writes a check, puts it down, and takes a sip of scotch. <laughs> that's it. Because like, because like the whole thing is like, oh, you have to donate or dump the bucket of ice. And so he's like sitting there with a bucket of ice next to him, and kind of looks at it. He just writes a check, <laughs> sits it down, takes a sip of scotch, and it's like, you're the man. I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. All right, so before we jump into our debate. Ashley, I'm going to ask you the the, the two kind of opening questions okay. that we talked about in the very first episode. Go listen to it if you haven't. Just what was your first introduction to Star Wars? And let's try to keep this brief so we can jump into the sure to the debate. But okay, um, first introduction to Star Wars. I was maybe eight years old. I rented Star Wars from the public library because uh, I, I come from a I'm the lone nerd in a family of rednecks um, so <laughs> neither of my parents are into Star Wars my sister is not into Star Wars so uh, I had some friends that were all like Star Wars is awesome so I wanted to know what they were talking about so I borrowed the VHS tape from the library and I was hooked. and you didn't point to Han Solo and be like look he's one of you <laughs> <laughs> no I did not I did not that was lost on me at age 8 Fair but, but, uh, but yeah I, uh, I uh, after that I just plowed through all the available movies which were just the original trilogy at that time okay and what were your first impressions of the sequels of the sequels sequel trilogy so starting with force awakens okay Um, rogue one and solo are kind of their own thing right we're not going to talk about this today are we not going to touch on prequels at all or Uh, we we can we can but we're focusing on because our debate is focused around the last jedi sure sure. yeah okay so um sequel trilogy i uh, was really fortunate when uh the force awakens came out i was in grad school at the time for those of you who don't know i am a graduate of signum university which is a place where you can get uh, it's completely online you can get a master's in uh, literature and language and there's several different concentrations but i chose the imaginative fiction program which is effectively a master's in science fiction and fantasy um i got to take the very first offering of of the Force of Star Wars, taught by um, my uh, professor, Dr. Amy H. Sturgis, who's a, uh, she's been teaching about Star Wars for uh, quite a while. So, amping up to The Force Awakens, first of all, I would have been completely happy if we never had any more Star Wars movies. I felt like we had a complete story. But, Liar! <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not upset that we got more <laughs> Star Wars content, obviously. Kind of boat, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, yeah. I was excited, but right. I, I, I hadn't been in this boat of like, when are they going to make new Star Wars? Right, right, right. I, I was not expecting it to happen at all. So leading up to the release of The Force Awakens, I got to take an entire master's class, a literal master's class on Star Wars, which is I think is pretty cool. Um, so we, we read a lot about um, the history of the films. We read about how they influenced the genre. We also read some of the now decanonized novels. Uh, we which read, is a uh, shame. Those were, those were really good. They, I think there's some interesting theories about why those were decanonized, and the main one is that it removes the barrier to entry. Also, there's, like, the very technical thing of, like, 
getting licensing for everything. Sure, I, I understand that. But if you talk about barrier to entry, was there... I mean, if you never read the books, it doesn't matter, right? It's just like, here's more Star Wars. Theoretically, but uh, especially with, like, The Heir to the Empire, which we read the first one in that trilogy. Heir to the Empire was, for the longest time, considered the unofficial, official sequel to the original trilogy. Sure. So, so there's that. Anyway, so we read that. We also read the book that led into The Last Jedi, which was the first official canon novel. It's by uh, Chuck Windig, and I am blanking on the title, but we all hated it. Yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly fair. Sorry, Chuck Windig. I, I, have, the, I have the title uh, right here. I can remember. I, I, have, I found the title. Yeah, what is it? I have brought peace, freedom, peace, security, justice, freedom, peace, and freedom. Sound. My new empire. Oh, no, wait, it was this one. It's uh, not the Jedi way. There we go. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was it. <laughs> right, you stall? Here, keep, keep going, keep going. So uncivilized. I remember the name of the uh, Aftermath. That was the name of it. Aftermath. I, I was, Is that I was, meant, was that meant to bridge uh, Return it, of the Jedi and it, Force yes. Awakens? Uh, yes. I forget exactly where it occurs in within the timeline. Uh, it says set soon after the events of the Return of the Jedi. So not, uh, set not long after that. But it was not very good. Um, and to, to be fair, to completely be completely fair to Chuck Windig, I read later that the man was given about a month to write the book. <sighs> Which nobody's going to write a good novel if you um, only give them a month. Yeah. Um, sure way it's going to be a bad novel. <laughs> uh, right, right. I mean, uh, but uh, apparently the other, um, there was a, it was a trilogy of books that he wrote and the other two were better. So, but anyway, so all that to say, I felt like I got a really cool deep dive into Star Wars before watching The Force Awakens. And I think that may have influenced my interpretation of The Force Awakens. I think, you know, something that to kind of counter what you guys said in, the, in that initial podcast, um, I think you have to think of The Force Awakens as both a reboot and a sequel. And you have to think about them in that context together. You can't separate it as this is just a sequel or this is just a reboot because I think you're not going to be happy with either one. Oh, I, I understand yeah. why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't too unhappy with, with that. Although, I again, I really think they could have done a little bit a little more creative than mm-hmm. just, it's a Death Star again. Right. But really, the, what, what and again, I, I don't hate The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But I hate that the characters that they set up, which I was like, oh, I'm excited to see what right. the characters do had ultimately, now that we're done, had mm-hmm. no payoff. No, no, and I totally agree. I totally agree, and um, I'll touch on that whenever we get to talking about The Rise of Skywalker. Ultimately, I really loved The Force Awakens. I didn't think I would ever like another Star Wars movie as much as I liked anything in the original trilogy, and I actually really loved uh, The Force Awakens that much. So that was kind of surprising to me. All right, well, let's jump into this debate. Last Jedi. So here's how it's going to work. Uh, you're both going to give an opening statement. Obviously, it, that just iterates your stance. So, for instance, if you were talking about cabbage, Ashley would say cabbage is an abomination and should be destroyed. <laughs> and and Greg would say cabbage is the it's best really food stuff that has ever been made. I actually really like cabbage. And, and I love it. <laughs> totally I, agree I, on this. I'm, I'm being facetious to explain how this works. Sure, sure. Uh, and so just keep it to one or two sentences and okay. then... We'll start by one person will make a point, then the other person will make a counterpoint. You'll have two minutes each, okay. and I will be keeping oh, wow. time. And between points, I might throw in something or clarification, okay. uh, but we'll try to keep it point-counterpoint, and we'll start with Ashley giving a point, Greg giving a counterpoint, then Greg, you'll give a point, and Ashley, you'll give a counterpoint. And I have a couple points here for you guys to just think about, I, you know, whatever points you guys want to bring up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just the plot in general, the idea of it as a deconstruction, Holdo's plan, right. Casino World, I don't remember the actual name. Canto uh, Bite. Canto Bite. Uh, Ray's training, Luke's thing, Snoke's thing, 
the whole Raylo thing. So any of those major plot points that were really divisive, mm-hmm. or you know, even if it wasn't divisive and you want to bring it up, mm-hmm. um, so just like something that informs why you like it and why you don't like it. And so we'll do point counterpoint. So let's start with opening statement, Ashley. Okay, so opening statement about The Last Jedi. Uh, two main things. I think it is um, structurally different than any other Star Wars film to date. And I think I, I think of it as both a deconstruction of Star Wars and an inversion of The Empire Strikes Back. I also think there are two phrases you can kind of focus on when you think about The Last Jedi. One is, uh, in terms of deconstruction, this is not going to go the way you think. Two, the entire film, I think, is themed and centered on it's not fighting what we hate, it's saving what we love. Greg? Opening, opening statements on The Last Jedi. On The Last Jedi. Um, I think The Last Jedi tempted to do... Uh, a lot of subversion and probably attempted to be a deconstruction of Star Wars. Um, but in my opinion, um, well, not in my opinion, I think objectively did a really, really poor job at trying to accomplish those things and left way too much to the audience to write in those gaps and also failed to exist in an established world that's already there. Because like you said, on top of being a reboot, it is in fact a sequel of not just one movie, but exists in the line of several movies that have existed for a long time and has to operate within these boundaries that have been created. And it fails to do that in many ways. All right. So with the cards on the table, Ashley, your first point, you have two minutes. Begin. Okay. So I effectively... So I I watched The Last Jedi again this afternoon. And I I sat down and I basically... Because I was just so struck and I'm I'm personally moved by the line, it's not fighting what we hate, it's saving what we love. I think you can break down from the beginning of the film to the end of the film in in the ways characters try to fight what they hate and then they learn from that and then how certain characters also save what they love. Like it's it's this dichotomy of love versus hate. Are you acting in anger versus... Uh, are you acting in love and out of uh, care and protection for other people? Can you give a specific example in the movie? Um, so to take one from the very beginning, Poe is all about attacking, attacking, attacking. We've got we to gotta defeat the First Order. Um, he's all about fighting what we hate. He's like, we have this opportunity to, um, to take out a dreadnought in the very first scene. And it caught this desire to fight what he hates causes him to be a bad soldier. If you are in a military setting, you follow orders. And that's what you're supposed to do. End of line. And he effectively becomes a bad soldier because he is all about fighting what he hates. I think Holdo is a neat counter to that uh, because she... And we can discuss the semantics of was Holdo's sacrifice ultimately necessary? But within the context of the film, we are given the impression that this is the only option. So she chooses to sacrifice herself to give the resistance a chance to escape. So for her, her intention, even though, yeah, she's taking out a huge ship, it's not about fighting what she hates. It is saving what she loves. She is giving herself in order to create uh, opportunity for the resistance to escape. Greg, counterpoint. I think it's a really interesting point, and it obviously hinges on the line given by Rose at the end of the movie, right? She says, it's not fighting what we hate, it's saving what we love. This is really interesting to me just because at the beginning of the movie, you have Rose's sister doing that exact thing, right? right. Like, she is called out to go and fight, and there's this emotional connection that she has with her sister, although the writing doesn't really give the audience a chance to, to get in involved with right. that, because we haven't met either of the characters. But right after that, we also see Rose, you know, telling Finn that he's not allowed to leave into the point of shooting him, right? She shoots him and says, you're a coward if you're, if you're going to try to leave. 
And this is a resistance, by the way. Like, like I, I'm not sure if this works like normal army. Like, you're going to be killed if you leave. But that's kind of the, the theme I'm giving. Like, I don't know if she's been giving those orders or not. But she kind of plays this role of, like, no, I'm a soldier and I'm here to fight these people. My sister fought and died for arguably what is good. And then to counteract your point about Poe, essentially, although we were made to believe as the audience that what Poe did was kind of arrogant, he saved everybody. Because if the Dreadnought was there, what do they do? They, they'd be blasting the light speed, they get tracked, and then the Dreadnought destroys all of them. This is the end result. And instead, Poe goes out and he drops the Dreadnought, he comes back to the ship and is ridiculed for it, and then they're in this high-speed chase. To which none of these ships now that High speed. The, yeah, it, it, well, they're this space chase, right? right. So obviously, like the term that 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 Rose kind of coins there at the end is is definitely interesting. It provokes a lot of thought. I just don't know where it lands. While I mean, even when it was given, I almost felt like I was being trolled because in the background, I mean, you see them blowing up, presumably all of their friends. I mean, we're not we doesn't known that people are dead, but you can assume that people died when like the, the ship when the walls behind him explode when Finn was trying to do what her sister did, which was sacrifice herself to save what she loves. She was saving what she loves. Through self-sacrifice. And here is Ten Finn seconds. attempting to go and do this. And he stopped. And therefore, people are destroyed. And we have Ray come in and save the day like normally happens. But, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that that translated to a lot of the audience because of the writing. All right. Greg, point. Um, all right. Well, I've got a lot of points to make. Um, I'll start with one uh, just because it's very big. It's, it's Luke's assassination just as a character. And what I want to start to say is... Let's say before this whole movie started, if you were just like, hey, Luke's character just gets assassinated, he's not a cool dude by the end of the movie, people would be upset, obviously. But if you do a good job writing this, you can be upset and say, well, I didn't like it because I really like Luke, but they did a good job telling the story. But instead, we get this kind of thrown on us with very, very little. Like, like, So you've gone from Luke Skywalker, who the last time we see him is in episode 6, right? He He's... One of the biggest examples of hope in cinema history because he takes on one of the greatest villains, the most psychotic, destructive people ever to exist. It's Darth Vader. He embodies evil. And Luke doesn't beat him because he's stronger. Luke doesn't beat him because he's faster. He's not a, he's a better Jedi with a lightsaber. He beats him because he looks at him and he says, I have got hope in you. I've got hope that there can be change. I know you're better than this. And he throws his lightsaber down to the point of self-sacrifice. And he starts to be killed. And it works. Darth Vader picks up the Emperor and kills him. Or so we thought. <laughs> um, and suddenly and, and then so now now we've arrived at this Luke Skywalker who is a hermit right he's he's not the one who's <clears throat> recklessly helping his friends and ready to self-sacrifice for his friends ready to help the people he loves even when they're doing evil like Darth Vader and he is hiding now we need to know why this is right like as an audience you're like well I'm really upset this is happening please do a good job at writing out why this happened and we find out from him that he was training Jedi and he had a dream that his nephew caused some pain and destruction. So for a second he thought about killing him in his sleep. So this is a really extreme position to take for a writer. And again, it's not something that I would like as a fan. But if you do a really, really good job, and I mean, you got to do a torrential job to, to make Luke Skywalker the pinnacle of hope, Ten turn seconds. into that. And in my opinion, well, not in my opinion, but objectively, they did a really, really poor job developing that character change because it's such a huge change and all of a sudden he's just bad. It kind of felt like they just needed him to be that way in the movie. And so therefore, they had to create something in like maybe two minutes of screen time. Counterpoint. Okay. So while I can certainly see how you arrived at that conclusion, I would also ultimately argue that that line of thinking allows no room for Luke to make mistakes. He's still human. He's not Jesus. <laughs> he's, he's going to um, still make mistakes and, there, and ultimately make these 
poor decisions. Now, I think also one of the problems that I think Disney leaned on or, or, or created with the, the sequel trilogy, and we've talked about this a little bit, that the um, there wasn't enough done on the back end for all three films uh, to make a yeah. fully cohesive story. I agree with you there. And I think they've also leaned on the secondary media to kind of fill in the gaps. And so if you've only watched the films, then yeah, you, you're there, there are there are some holes in that story. But if you uh, now, to be fair, I've not read a lot of the secondary material like the the novels or comics or anything like that. Um, but those do dive into a little more why Luke is very, very jaded. Um, from what I understand. So um, I think the biggest thing, though, is that your interpretation of Luke does not allow him to grow or change. If I can just interject a comment on, on that. Sure. Your comment on secondary material. So I had that feeling between two and three, I feel like Lucas didn't develop Darth Vader from in cl- from Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith well enough. He has that one moment where he kills all the Sand people. That's like the one moment you get of him getting, you know, dark side about right. it. But then, you know, I'm watching Clone Wars, and even in Season 2, you're saying, okay, yeah, he's really struggling with the dark side. That doesn't excuse this because that was, A, after the fact, and B, seven seasons of an ex- of an ancillary TV show, which right. is good, but not acceptable for characterization. Really, the only people who have kind of gotten away with that is Marvel. Right. But, but even then, the stories are self-contained enough, with the exception of you have to watch Infinity War before Endgame. The stories are self-contained enough that you can kind of watch one and, and enjoy it. But Palpatine's reveal being in Fortnite... What was that about? Oh that was like, so strange. That, yeah, yeah. I have a. I'm, I'm writing down some questions that I'm gonna ask you both at sure. the end. Let me just say that I think I'm, I, I, on Greg's point, I, I didn't actually have too much of a problem with Luke being sour. Mm-hmm. That wasn't. I mean, I thought his scenes were not well written. Like, I, I didn't like his the milk thing and the. I was like, what is even happening? It felt like a lot of time being wasted. But I didn't actually have too much of a problem with the character progression but again i feel like they didn't they didn't actually set it up well enough hmm. all right so ashley point go ahead all right see i've mostly just written a lot about it's not fighting what we hate it's saving what we love just because i am personally just really entranced by that line if i ever get i'm going to get a tattoo of Bri- uh, brienne of tar's sword on my left arm but if i ever if i you know muscle through that one decide i want another one it's not fighting what we hate it's saving what we love is going on the other arm but uh if we want to stay with with Luke on that same point, Luke reveals his mistake about uh, or he about Ben Solo, you know, fully admitting, yeah, I, I screwed up here. Um, but that was it was it was impulsive. It was an act of being being afraid of what the dark side could be, uh, being afraid of having another Darth Vader and how horrible um, that would be if there was another Darth Vader. So he reacted out of hate and out of fear. And then you know, what's the line from Yoda? You know. Hate leads to fear or anger. Or I yep. can't remember yep. in what order of operations that goes. I don't want to take your time, in. but it's a great line. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Hate leads to suffering. So, yeah, Luke created suffering. He admit, fully admits he messed up, and because of that mistake, he believes that the Jedi should end because he doesn't believe himself to be capable of training up any good Jedi. Ray, on the other hand, chooses to see the light side in Ben, and she pushes him to be better. You know, even you know, you can see them working together in their duel, which is arguably the coolest <laughs> fight scene in the sequel trilogy with the uh, Praetorian guards. And that argument they have afterwards, she's like, you know, join me, come with me. And he's not willing to do so, but she still she still pushes at him and and um, believes that he can be better, which are arguably not a lot of other folks have. So Counterpoint. 
Um, yeah, I guess just to, to, to bounce back on, we're going to stay on the topic of Luke. Yeah. Um, I think Luke's got plenty of, plenty of rooms to make mistakes, but again, we're dealing in a movie that is, that isn't his movie, right? It's Ray's movie. I mean, this is, this is a whole bunch of other people's movie that arguably, and again, this will be another topic I'm sure we'll get into, don't have much character development or mistakes made at all. And so we have this character that's gone through three movies of making mistakes. I mean, I love Luke when he's at his worst making mistakes in the, in the OT. And it seems like he's growing from these things and ultimately he's reached his, his climax, you know, in, 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 uh, episode six, where he he has learned so much that he is now wise, and he's doing exactly what Ray's doing to his father, and so his whole his whole opinion on Darth Vader is now changed, right? Because he had this fear of Darth Vader, and his changing of his view of of being afraid of him and saying you're not evil, I know that there's still good in you, and he saves him. The fact that he's like, oh, I didn't want another Darth Vader. He defeated Darth Vader through his love. And so that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. As a writer, if you're going to make that be your hinging point on why a character has spiraled into a complete counter character from what he was. I mean, it's not just like a little bit. And, and I mean, and, and even to think, let's say he made that mistake. I mean, what, six months, a year later? I mean, he, he goes, you know what, this is something I need to work on. He's already made this character development. We've seen him for three movies. And so now he's made this catastrophic one into which there is no return. Seemingly, if Ray had never showed up and been essentially Jesus to him and, you know, n- not made any mistakes and just said, hey, um, you know, like these are all the things you're doing wrong and taught him. It's like, all right, well, we've gotten a lot of Luke being taught. Luke went through all this development why is Ray? Well, like, shouldn't Ray be getting getting developed as a character? Like, I, I can't latch onto her because I'm not familiar with with people that don't make a whole lot of mistakes. Like that, I, I don't resonate with that as much, and I don't think the audience at large resonates with a character like a Mary Sue that doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Whereas you have Luke, who is getting redeveloped in the same exact ways. It's not even like they're choosing new topics for him to fail at. Maybe he's a master now. And we haven't seen him train people, and he fails in a few A training people. But instead, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, seven million years ago, I, I trained somebody, and I screwed up, and then I gave up on everything. And that just seems to be a really poor way to write the ho- most hopeful character ever into the worst, least hopeful character ever. <laughs> All right. We're going to pause for a second. I have a question for you guys to ponder. We're going to take, we're going to take two Is... minutes to just openly discuss this. Okay. So at the very beginning of the movie, right, they're attacking the base... They're evacuating, and, like, three Star Destroyers pop in, and they're about to open fire, and what's his bucket? The uh, the guy who ended up being the traitor in the... Huxt. Yeah. Huxt. 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 He's a huckster. Ha. Huxt. Huxt says... Is it Huxt or Hux? Hux. I think it's Hux. H-U-X. Okay, I think it's just Hux. Yeah. Hux says, don't fire, wait for the Dreadnought. Why would he not... And they never, in that entire scene, they never open fire. Even when the bombers are coming in, even when the Dreadnought's been blown up... Why does that two minutes discuss? Why does that? Why does Hux Star Destroyers <laughs> never shoot? For me. At- I, I'm with you. I'm confused as to why. Like, I, think about it. that. That I, really I never, bothered me. I never thought about that uh, before, but uh, I also kind of think we have a don't we have a similar situation um, with uh, Peter Cushing? Uh, forget his character's name in um, in the uh, first Star Wars film, uh, Episode Four. Oh, um, not firing at the escape pod. Oh, yeah, yeah that that was a dumb thing too. Well, sure, well, well that, but the... also like where, right before Luke blows up the Death Star, like uh, it's just like one X wing or whatever. Is isn't it like kind of di- dismissive, like in in the very same way? And I mean, I what do you mean? So they... Just because I think that entire attack pattern was 
was talked about at large portions in the movie. It's strategically why they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole movie created as to how they even got the plans in order to make this plan. Well, are, are you talking about the trench run? Like why they're not firing at the X-Wings in the trench run? Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I may be conflating that with something from Rogue One. I don't remember exactly. So, but there, so... there is... There, effectively, somebody in, in the Rebel Alliance gets ignored um the empire makes a, a a poor strategic move but i kind of think as hux as the the new um peter cushing i'm so blanking on the, his character's name grandma tarkin thank you <laughs> sorry uh grandma tarkin never chooses to not fire on on someone uh so tarkin, yeah there? tarkin's only around for one movie he's ruthless right, right. there's even a comparison made to where if tarkin was hux in that situation the how, how they would have just been annihilated. Uh, Who am I thinking of? I, I don't know. So, so in the in a New Hope, the reason that that the X wings can do the trench run is because right. the they they explain it. They say, well, the defense perimeter is designed for larger ships, so smaller ships can sneak in under their giant laser batteries, right, 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 right. and that's why they have to scramble fighters to take them out. So that they actually did explain that. Yay, go them. Okay. But yeah, the, I mean, when the when the escape pod ejects, he's like, "I hold your fire." There's no one on it, and I think the Family Guy parody mentions yeah. that. Like, shouldn't you? Oh, wait, what do you? I mean, by the laser? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that's all I could think yeah. of for the Hux thing was, okay, you know, you know what? The well, Empire is a bureaucracy. Surely, surely he didn't are... fill out the paper in triplicate. He's not allowed to fire his lasers. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, whose point is it? I think it's Greg's point. Greg, it's mine. Fire away. Um, okay. Well, let's change topics here to Ray, uh, who's kind of like the central character in this movie. This, like this, amongst all the movies, I think all all, all the sequels aim to do one thing. They aim for visuals. I think J.J. Abrams says this a lot, but Ryan Johnson did the same thing, where it was mainly about the visual point and like what he wanted to accomplish at the sacrifice of story. And so you have somebody like Ray who. In the, be- in, in the first movie, we have, we have uh, Force Awakens. These are the questions that everybody's asking, right? Like, it's probably the most talked about thing is, like, how was Rey able to do all these things? And again, I was, I was amongst that crowd that was like, okay, you know, I like this character, though. Like, she's got potential. She's kind of cool. And they do some really cool things in The Last Jedi. Like, there's a really subtle scene where she's on the planet where Luke is hiding out, and she's, like, touching the rain like she's never seen it. And that's such a cool character development moment because you, you, you get the picture that she's grown up on this planet never been anywhere else. But unfortunately, there's hardly anything else done. I mean, she goes to this planet where she's supposed to be trained and, and, and in turn kind of trains herself. We don't really get that explained to us a whole lot. A lot of it is just covered with the Force, air quotes, and, and it just fills in a lot of the gaps. But we see her time and time again have the opportunity to make mistakes and end up not making them. And really, it hinges on her biggest mistake being wanting to find her identity, which is strange to think of as a mistake. Like, it's not it's not a character defect, right? She's trying to find her identity in things, and it, she get, kind of gets told, like, what her identity is in that weird room of mirrors, which is, again, also just the Force air quotes. And ultimately, she's like, show me who my parents are, and somehow this Force thing tells her, points her to herself, which is an interesting thing at the very least. Like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be finding your identity in your parents, but finding your identity in yourself. But it's never really touched on anymore, and it gets completely blurred for the next few movies. But, I mean, in every single phase of it, I mean, I, I could go on forever, but uh, just, just to touch on one thing, she gets to the battle of, of the Salt Planet, she gets in the Millennium Falcon. Her first shot ever fired from a ship. I don't know if you guys ever caught this. You don't know how many uh, TIE fighters she uh, destroyed? Yeah, it's the triple shot. She killed three TIE fighters with her, her first ever shot from... It's like when you create a character like that, you're not worried that she's ever going to get hurt. You're not worried about 
anything. You can't connect to her because she's not making mistakes. And and therefore, it's a character that's kind of boring. Like, because there's nothing to connect to. Not even just personally, but like, you're not doing a good enough job writing this character. Counterpoint. Okay. So, um, again, I think... I'll, I'll agree with some of what you've said, but I think the ultimate point of Ray's character is to show that the Force is for everyone. And Luke actually legitimately says... The Force is in everything and everyone. You have, like, in the in the prequel trilogy, you you know you get the establishment of midichlorians, which are not mentioned previously in any other context ever. That's not how the Force works. I hope that is directed towards midichlorians. It, it uh, was. <laughs> yes, good, thank you. Um, so you've got. I love the the scene at at the end of the Last Jedi where you've got the the one guy. Of the little kid who just moves the broom into his hand and starts sweeping. It's just one subtle little little thing, and um, it shows that you don't have to be descended from some mystical midichlorian dynasty in order to be able to use the Force. And uh, ultimately for Rey, I, I was thinking about the, the scene in the cave where you've got the... Yeah. The snap and the the mirror where you know she thinks her parents are walking towards her and she ultimately sees her own her own reflection. Um, I think the the Last Jedi is a great example of show don't tell in a film because so much of the story is yes it, it it's not as explicit as a lot of other Star Wars films have been in in what it's trying to do. But I think you get the um, idea of identity defined by your actions versus your genealogy, and I think that's ultimately where Ray's character. Lands. Except for her daddy is Lord. Bummer. And, Bummer that JJ again, kind of they, erased that. They don't. Yeah, I. They don't explain that at all. So writers, if you ever stuck, just say and suddenly Palpatine returned, and you get to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. So, so uh, if I can just interject before before you jump on your next point, mm-hmm. I actually did think that that theme of the forces for everyone and kind of moving away from you know it's been this lineage of Anakin and Luke primarily. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, in the prequels, we see all these Jedi and that they just, they're, are they kidnapping children? I mean, like, Je- okay, Jedi Order, Jedi old Academy. Jedi Order, little sketch, but yeah. Right. You ever play Jedi Academy, the old game? Nah, I don't think so. And, and, that, and you know, that scene at the very end where the little kid's just like, oh yeah, look at me, I use the Force too. I thought that was a good moment, but the thing is, I think that gets, if that was Ryan Johnson's main point, he made that point twice in the whole movie. The whole mirror scene was just like, it was too confused, it was too abstract. Right. He needed to be a little more obvious about it but that I would, gets I would buried it's, it's abstract for a star wars film for a star wars film. well that that mirror scene is right but you know the whole the whole your parents are nobody and the, the, the little kid I, I i was okay with that i just think ryan johnson should have leaned on that more and made that the central focus of the story rather than all these little you know almost like an anthology of disconnected bits and pieces that really didn't work i i, I thought the most the most solid part of the story even though i had problems with it was kylo and ray's mirroring of each other right and growing closer, and I honestly think Ryan didn't go far enough. I'm going to give my opinion on what I think should have happened afterwards, but Ashley Point. Okay. Um, I think something that we've kind of danced around in our discussion is what is the nature of how canon is created in the Star Wars universe? I think one of uh, what I remember reading after The Last Jedi came out was uh, there were a lot of folks that were really upset with Leia suddenly 
moving herself back into the ship after she's forced out, you know, busted out into space. And and we obviously we can watch the original trilogy and see, yes, Leia is force sensitive. And there's, you know, we've made the distinction before of um, there's a difference between being force sensitive and then also being a Jedi. To our knowledge, at that point, if we're looking only at that movie, we don't know that Le- Leia actually did Jedi training. My thought is, this is the nature of the beast. Ultimately, Star Wars has centered around films. You've got the secondary material that expands the universe, adds, you know, basically like fills in the details, uh, whereas the films give you the broad spectrum. I thought it was completely within reason for Leia to be able to do that. Uh, and that's just one example, but I think some people get upset with, that's not how the Force works. Um, <laughs> to to uh, imitate your soundboard. Sacred Jedi. Oh, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to get you, get y'all's thoughts about what do you, what do you think in, in the way that New Canon is created? My personal take on it is... Um, they have the right to do whatever the hell they want. It does have to make sense. I just think that particular point was a was a sticking point for a lot of a lot of guys that Leia could do that, and they they, they didn't like it. You say guys is in males. <sighs> to be perfectly frank, all the people I saw objecting to it on the internet were dudes. Well, you shouldn't read objections on the internet. They're yeah, people know. being stupid. I know. I, I, I have a, I have another. I'll, I'll I'll share a story after. Great we, uh, counterpoint, and then I have my two bits to throw in. Okay, so I think you should want your film to make sense, uh, definitely, because otherwise your your audience can't connect to it or relate to it, and I think that's probably why you got objections from a whole lot of people on that scene. The fact that Leia is force sensitive is definitely something that's that's hinted at. I mean, you have Luke literally telling her he's like that power is in you, like straight up, and so it is to be assumed that that she might have even done some training. Like a hundred percent, and and my qualm with that wasn't that I wasn't excited to see Leia use the Force at all. I mean, I, I would have loved to have a powerful scene where something is about to happen and she throws a book at somebody or, or knocks like uses the Force to pull something to her hand or, or or close a door or something pretty extreme to somebody that you, to this point no audience member has any connection with the fact that she can use the Force. Though instead you have her, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, she's she's covered in ice, so clearly she didn't create a force force field. She she just used force survive in space, which <laughs> is pretty is like if Yoda did this, I think you'd have tons of guys and girls saying this is ridiculous. Like you can't just create no limits because then because there's no point to watching at that point. Then then you just have <laughs> to tell yourself hey, you you can just you can just say anything at this point is reasonable and you can make anything happen, right? I think there are really really cool elements to adding things, right? We we Kylo Ren stopping a bullet. And this is something we've never seen. But this is interesting. Even if Leia had pulled this off, it would have been like, this is kind of an interesting new thing that the Force can do. It's kind of in that realm. I can wrap my head around it. As a fan, we can all watch and be like, we've got enough knowledge to this point where we can enjoy this and feel like we know what we're looking at. Surviving in the vacuum of space in freezing temperature, pulling yourself back, the door opening and everybody not getting sucked out, and then you all of a sudden just appearing just because clearly Ryan Johnson was like, we want her to get back in the ship. We don't really know how to explain it, but she's back in the ship. It's just lazy writing and it distracts when you're actually watching i mean everybody in my row of watching this movie which were guys and girls were like what like 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 so confused and the problem with bad movie writing is that when you watch the movies over and over again these things stick out more and more and you find more things to be like you just didn't you just expected me just to skim right over that and that's just that's lazy writing on their part but also not not really caring about your viewer at all and just like kind of wanting to get your little subversion and, and shock people in the moment when it really doesn't stand tall. 
Uh, so I'll just throw in two things. First, I had no problem with Leia being a Jedi because in in well in the extended canon that is no longer canon, her kids are Jedi. Right. So I, I I had no problem with Leia being a Jedi. Yeah, and I yeah. think the way to reveal that is to just have her pull out a lightsaber because a lightsaber we know. If you have a lightsaber, you're a Jedi. Right. So that tells us right away, oh, she became a Jedi in between then and now. I think that's a, other, you know, using the Force could be one thing. But that that scene was just so ridiculous. Just like, regardless of which character it was, it didn't matter who it was. That, that, and I, and, and the thing is, it reversed what could have been a really touching scene with, with Kylo yeah, killing his mom. And, and I was like, oh, and that's how they're writing Carrie Fisher up because she had died before right. this movie came out. And so then she just floats back to the space station. I'm like, why would you do that? You had it. You had it out, and a, like a nice, end, touching end. And I think that could have been a moment for Kylo to, like, maybe fly by the body and see her dying and have a change of heart, or so. Right. You know, you could have turned that into a really powerful character moment. But instead, you just kind of, oh, she's out and she's back. And to me, it just didn't make sense for them to to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so I I thought that was a very silly moment that I don't understand why it, it didn't make sense in the context of the whole story. Why that happened made no sense because she doesn't do anything for the sure, rest like, of the I don't movie. think the problem was the fact that she was the Jedi or Force-sensitive or used the Force or even did something really, yeah. really amazing. I think it's the fact that that just breaks yeah. so many established barriers in a universe that's been created. And it breaks them in a way that's kind of fundamentally toss your hands up. Like, yeah. okay. But but even within the context of the story that Ryan was telling, that moment meant nothing. She comes back and then she's in a coma for the rest of the movie. So she doesn't do anything. So So other than keeping her alive for the next movie. That's the only purpose of that moment anyways i believe greg it's your point okay did you say the holdo thing was going to be touched on or should we just bring go it for up? it okay uh, let's just talk about the holdo thing uh i know that's another like a hot, hot topic right. if you will real briefly i'm going to say what i re- stated before when you're writing a movie regardless of whether you like the direction something is going or you like something or you don't like it you have to do a good job at getting from point a to point b so we have Admiral Holdo enter this movie as somebody that n- none of the audience knows. So a- as an audience member, you're like, oh, this is an interesting new character. And she's depicted in every single way as as kind of like a pro- like, a, like like a bad person, right? Like, so she, she starts in a really immature way, kind of like calling out Finn. She's like, I know who you are. You were just demoted, right? And kind of like walks off. And, and th- there's kind of like all this pressure put on Finn who's... Or, sorry, Poe. And Poe is repeatedly... Not not trying to take control. He's just saying, and he literally says this. He's like, just tell me we have hope. Just say we have a plan. You don't have to share it with me. If you think that I'm a mole, which is a popular theory, which fans are writing in for Ryan Johnson, which is silly, that it should be evident to a viewer in the audience. This doesn't make any sense because he's just saying, just tell me that there is a plan, that there is something. And she repeatedly, and the, and the movie continues to make her seem more and more like an enemy. So you, you're perp- you are Poe. Poe is interacting as the audience saying, hey, I care about all these people. I, I just kind of saved everybody a second ago. I know it was reckless. I got demoted for it, but I'll do that. At the, like, I'll sacrifice my position to save people. Like, can you just tell me what's going on? And repeatedly doesn't. And so he says, okay, this is my plan. He gives her the plan. And she says, well, you've bet the odds of the resistance. Like, you've bet all of our lives on bad odds. Then we find out a little later after she shoots him and says, I kind of like that guy. So we know that she also likes him after not sharing anything with him. Takes the ship, turns it around, and... We have to guess. Ten that, seconds. We have to guess. This is really bad odds that she could hit all of these. It's ships. one in a million. One in a million, according to canon. Now it was a one in a million chance. So she bet the resistance on bad odds that she could turn around and hit these guys at a one in a million chance and get everybody out on spaceships. It makes no sense at all to leave the audience in the dark and have them 
really hate this character who turns around and does something because you have no emotional connection with that character. It could have been Adam Lackbar and people would have had more emotional connection because you have to understand you're existing in a universe that has established characters and you've established a character that has now been hated that you don't like. As an audience member, no matter what way you cut it, there's no opportunity to, to, to like her or think her deeds are good until the very end and then she does something heroic. And it's like, even if at that point you can respect it and somehow curve it to where like that was a good idea, you've left the audience no way to, to, to enjoy that or interact with that or say, man, that was really beautiful. That was really amazing. You're still kind of like, was I supposed to like that person? Sorry, I know it went over. Two minutes is quick, man. Yeah, I know. All That's right. the point. Okay. Rebuttal. It's good. I like okay. it. Okay, so a couple of things about Holdo. Uh, yes, this is our introduction to her. There was also a Holdo book. <laughs> I have not... Doesn't, so I know. And Disney, this, this, this is stupid. This is what I find very frustrating because uh, I personally have not read the Holdo book. One of my buddies has. And she told me Holdo is the Luna Lovegood of the Star Wars universe. And that description alone makes me love her. Um, True, but Luna Lovegood is not a person you want to command. Uh... <laughs> Perhaps not, but it doesn't mean that she's not smart. And I think, oh. uh, you know, we are having the, the 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 question of what does it mean to be a good soldier? She doesn't have to tell Poe a damn thing. <laughs> Sorry, she doesn't. He's effectively a, a, a private at this point. He's been demoted. He doesn't have to know everything. He needs to get back in line. And he doesn't understand that. And that doesn't mean that she doesn't like him or that he's not eventually going to be put back reinstated into his position but poe hasn't figured out how to be a good soldier he's effectively figured out how to you know do whatever the hell he wants and um it doesn't necessarily add up to making the right call i think your point about the dreadnought earlier was interesting i hadn't thought considered it that you know yeah them take i mean obviously taking out the dreadnought was a good thing but he was at the same time he was not following orders um and so you've and, and i think leia recognized that so the point of demoting him was like, dude, you've got to learn how to follow orders. This, this is not going to work. But also, you know, he has to learn permission to uh, get in a, get in an X-Wing and blow up something. And she's like, granted. And, you know, so obviously she she still likes him. She's not angry at him for destroying the Dreadnought. She's up, she is, she's being his commanding officer. And he's not respecting that. If anybody has read the Holdo book, has other background information about Holdo, please feel free to interject. Uh, because I, I too would like more clarification on her character as well. Uh, and I think that was a waste of Laura Dern. Laura Dern's amazing. Yeah. So a couple of things about Holdo Maneuver. Uh, first of all, while you're right, you're absolutely right in, in that she doesn't have to tell Poe her plan. She doesn't tell anyone her plan. And I don't understand why. Like, there's no reason not to tell people we are going to deposit the ships and then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to do something crazy well, or at least hint or at least say I have a plan just trust me I'm in command you need to trust me I, th I think this is you know if she tells anyone her plan they're like no you can't yeah, do yeah. that and, and, but, but, and but again she's, she's if she just trying says, to avoid this you need to trust me right and I understand okay but so here so I'll give her the benefit of the doubt if she told Poe, Poe would say, I have to do it because I'm the best pilot. Right. So fine. She doesn't tell Poe. She should have told someone. Or at least said, I have a plan. This is our only shot. You need to trust me and just do what I say. But okay? I'm in command. I'm calling the shots. Do what I say because you need to put your faith in me. But she just kind of dismisses Poe out of hand, which I think was too strong. The, sec the second Poe heard the plan, he said, this, this might actually work. And, and so it's a really... I mean, well, it's a horrible call on her side, Rick, no matter what way you cut it, because... Mm -hmm. She at least had enough people that she was commanding that thought she was crazy where they created a mutiny. 
I mean, that's not very good leading to be like, I'm not going to tell anybody, just follow orders, because I told you to. Like, that shouldn't be the message. It shouldn't be like, look, this is what you should ultimately like, yeah, but Yeah, I, yeah if the message is blindly follow orders, even in the military, that's not and what, great. Well, and the message. problem is, it's in the light of an example where Poe didn't blindly follow orders, and he saved everyone. Yeah, but uh, the, the second thing is, uh, so why did Holdo herself have to be the one doing the maneuver? You would think... I mean, that makes just, sense, though. Like, she, like, she, like, yeah, she, I, she's I guess, the commander. But, yeah. Like, if I were in her uh, shoes, I would have made yeah, the maneuver. Yeah, I, I, I get behind that. Uh, okay. Here's the biggest problem I have with that maneuver. Well, I think I know what you're we about to say. we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Where the hell did autopilot go? Well, where are the droids? Where, yeah, where are your <laughs> droids? Why does <laughs> a human... And this is, not, this is not a problem with Holdo herself. This is a problem with the, the sure, entire yeah. concept mm-hmm. of the Holdo maneuver is, do you not have... You We know they have target computers and autopilots and droids that can fly... Hell, in the prequels, you have droid ships. Right. So droids can do these sorts of things. And if you think about like a flight computer, like an actual computer that they have on a real airplane, you can program it to do things. Like we're, we're talking about more advanced technology. So you should be able to program a computer to do a certain hyperspace jump, right? And really cool shot. And it really feels like that was set up because it, it really feels like the, the visual. visual was that was Before idealized. The and then they put the plot in place to, get, to execute that. And I feel like they could still have that visual. And just have like maybe Holdo hits the button and then ejects. I mean, it's on more a, subversion. On She's on a pod too, you know, well, and we get to develop I, more about this character instead of introducing her and killing. Her. Yeah, I, so I, 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 that, I that you... frustrated me because they're like, here's right. this new character and she's interacting with the main cast and then she oh sorry she's dead bye i think there there's also there there is a very big discussion within star wars scholarship at large how uh like i mean star trek has the same discussion around data like are droids sentient do they think do they feel that sort of thing except for star wars has said there are multiple lines and across multiple star wars is that droids do not are not sentient but then except you have, for Solo, then you have yeah you have the the bot from Solo. And, but then but so, I would even argue R two, BB eight, and C three PO are all. Yeah. But they're not considered. They're not considered. And and well, that's the Rise of Skywalker thing. Is C three PO is being all emotional? Right. Literally, none of the cast responds emotionally to him because they all treat him as though he is just a ro- a, ro- a computer. <laughs> well, they've also been on like a and they're grand also, total of like one and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. That was weird. Happened. That it wasn't his actual so like, friends. My yeah. friends. And, and they're like, like who, <laughs> sorry, who are you? I've seen you once. Yeah. Anyway, you're not with Leia. So I just wanted that was the point that I meant to make uh, mm-hmm. previously about canon it canonicity versus mm-hmm. continuity right yeah uh, they can declare whatever canon they want because they're mm-hmm. in charge house right. of mouse declares it canon so if it's canon it's canon right but that doesn't mean it is good it's good for continuity and i think the 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 hold maneuver is canon but well okay the hold maneuver that was a bad example but you know some of this stuff is canon mm-hmm. like oh uh, like ray being a palpatine is canon but was that good for the continuity i don't think so I think that's uh, was Snoke being a clone of Pal? Was everything being controlled by Palpatine good oh, for the yeah. continuity? Right. I don't think so. That's a subject we all agree on. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll all poo-poo like the rise of Skywalker we're, 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 yeah. like, together so, another so, day. <laughs> yeah, so I think it is Ashley's point. Okay. Begin. Okay. Um, so some of the stuff that we keep kind of dancing around as well, and I think this is this is going to be um, a, a question to, to think about within the context of the entirety of the Star Wars films. How science fiction-y, like how hard is the science supposed to be within Star Wars? Uh, because <laughs> Midi-chlorians. I, I mean, Final answer. <laughs> no. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking that this is something that never would have occurred to me uh, because I, I'm not a science person. I have a master's degree in science fiction, not in, in actual science. I know science. how it doesn't work. I know how it doesn't work. Um, 
But um, uh, when I was an undergrad, one of my lit professors, we were talking about whether or not Star Wars, it was in his science fiction and fantasy lit class, and he was talking about whether or not Star Wars was a science fiction film or a fantasy film. I had never, I was like, obviously it's a science fiction film. It happens in space. And, um, but he's like, but we you know, in the very first moment of Star Wars, we get a ship and it is making pew pew sounds and you can hear it and you can't hear anything in space. There's no air. <laughs> so I, some of the uh, the points we were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, whether or not, yeah, they opened the airlock and uh, obviously people don't go rushing out into space when they do that. Except they uh, did initially. So that's the they, thing. Uh, say, yes. Is, is you can have the soft side. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't yeah, interrupt. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but, uh, but basically... I, I guess a kind of a, a question mm-hmm. is how seriously do we really need to take the science in Star Wars versus um, we take the science pretty seriously in Star Trek. And Star Star Wars, I think, is a, is a different animal because ultimately it is a it's a space opera, it's a fantasy. Yes, there are sciencey things, uh, but I mean, in within the first three seconds of the film of the original of the original Star Wars film, we completely toss all science out the door when we have pew pew sounds in space fair enough and also gravity on the bombs <laughs> <laughs> right you mind yep yeah no i think that's definitely something that's always it's kind of like a point of argument i think the main answer is it's, it's it needs to stay established like within the universe it exists in so for example we know that in star wars things blow up that's that's probably not the way like well it's definitely not the way they happen in space there's not big <laughs> explosions like heat and, and fire can't exist without oxygen right. right now if all of a sudden in episode eight they're like, hey, we could shoot this one bomber. It'll blow up and blow up all the other bombers. And they said, well, no, because there's no explosions in space. This would obviously be a problem because you'd go, wait, all of the other Star Wars movies have you not been watching? So how did we blow up the next Star Wars? <laughs> exactly. And so I, I would say that the main qualms people have with, with science problems and things like that mainly come from, well, this has either been established or at least you're going to have to now explain why all of these questions. And I think a lot of them, like, yeah, like the bomb thing at the beginning is kind of comical because she's like sitting in there. There's doesn't look like there's any force field underneath her. If, if there is, they didn't explain that the bombs drop question mark. And, but that's not a big deal because I mean, you could just say there's some kind of gravitational pull. Maybe they're magnetized and they got pulled down, but there are science questions. Like, like we've never had movement in space be a big question, but now all of a sudden they're like, once we run out of gas, we just stop and idle. And it's kind of like, all right, like you're you're kind of throwing another wrench in it, and there and then now we have bullet drop that we're seeing from the lasers drop in space, which is another thing we haven't really seen. And again, I think it's they're sacrificing story for visuals because it looks very cool to see these long distance shots with lasers drop just behind all these running away ships. But in reality, we know that that's not a big thing. And and, and the whole I think one of the biggest problems and why TLJ has such a problem with it and gets so much backlash is because. Almost the whole entire story was based off of these scientific premises that they're lighter and faster than we are, and therefore we cannot catch them. And you're like, man, that's a pretty weak outline. Like, couldn't you have a million things you could do to fix that? Couldn't you have people light speed in front of them? Couldn't you call ships in from the other sides? Couldn't you just shoot a laser and it continue forever? Once they run out of gas, why do they stop? There's a huge plot hole when talking about gas when they send Finn to the planet, which I'll get into later, maybe. Yeah, so uh, I think... It's definitely soft sci-fi, and I would argue it's so soft you could spread it on your bagel. Uh, but but the thing <laughs> That's is, beautiful. That's beautiful. the thing is, it, it doesn't matter how soft the science is as long as you're internally consistent. And Star Wars it has not been you know completely self-consistent. No, so the, the, <laughs> not at all. And and, sure. and, and, sure. and some of it led to 
in the prequels, I think I think each tri- I think the 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 original trilogy and the prequel trilogy were self consistent within themselves. Yeah. So the prequel trilogy was consistent with the stuff that the prequel trilogy set up, which I think Lucas went a little too far trying to explain everything in his in his goal to expand yeah. his universe. Yeah. I think he 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 over explained things that didn't necessarily need explaining, like midichlorians. Right, sure. and the idea that Anakin is Jesus because he's, he's I, supposedly yeah, spawned by the mini chlorians. Thirteen years old, no, watching no that for the first time, I was like, "Virgin birth? What? Jesus? Yeah, what?" No <laughs> really weird. Uh, Mary? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I think ultimately, mini chlorians and people get married. Is this uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think ultimately, the Star Wars universe has not been consistent in its treatment of science. Is yeah, what we yeah, can yeah, say, absolutely. and, and I, I think that but, that creates different problems within the story. Sure, sure, and but I think for the most part, Star Wars is just kind of like stuff works, it breaks, we fix it. It just it kind of. I, you know, all the ancillary stuff goes like way into like, well, it uses a T1000 fusion generator to use antimatter particles to whoop a doo whoop Anytime you say T1000, I automatically well, go Terminator mm-hmm. and that's it's, it's Arnold, Arnold particles. <laughs> but, but, but no, I, I, within the movies, there's stuff that happens. You're not like, wait a minute. That's not how any of that works mm-hmm. until the last Jedi where you're like, that's not how that should work. Mm-hmm. So I think, and, and uniquely the last Jedi has some, some self consistency issues. That sure. that are problematic. And I, I agree with you. If those were like the only problems, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know what? Yeah, those. Science, I didn't Star even Wars notice the bullets dropping off over the place. And like I said, I think it's accented a little more because the kind of like the entire chasing is based around it. And so you kind of have to be like, why are we doing this again? And you're like, all right. But again, if those are the only problems, I, I, you know, I think I'd be there with you and be like, yeah, it's Star Wars. Okay, we're at an hour. So how many more points you got? Um, I think I, I only had one other thing I I, I, I think uh, that we should touch on. Maybe one more point each. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Greg, point your point. Um, I guess I'll just I'll touch on a couple of my play, favorite plot holes. There are quite a billion, a lot of them, but we'll touch on a couple. Uh, so Finn is shocked to find out, as the audience is, and he's acting as the audience here to be to realize that you can be tracked through hyperspace. So they have a hyperspace tracker. He is shocked by this. He says he has a line where he's like, "You can track through hyperspace." Moments later, he informs Maul that he mopped the room with the hyperspace tracker, and therefore he knows what room <laughs> to find and locate. This is kind of a big problem. This is one that I actually caught while I was watching the movie, and I was like. This just pulls me so quickly out of the movie. It's obviously a problem. Like, if you were like, hey, Ryan Johnson, like, he didn't have any writers that were like, this is a big problem. And so it's kind of silly to see come through on a huge motion picture. It's upsetting. I think a lot of the fans were upset by that just because there's continuity errors. Another big one, which takes a little longer to explain, is so so they're running from these people, and the whole point is that, hey, we can't jump to light speed. This is the line that's used. We can't jump to light speed because then we'll be out of gas and they can track us and we'll be sitting ducks. Those are that's kind of the exact line. And so the plan now is to go down to this planet, find this thing, come back, put the MacGuffin in the whatever, stop the tracking, then go to hyperspace at the end of the movie. They keep getting updates on the gas and at the end they're like, we're running on fumes. How are you supposed to jump into hyperspace at the end? How is Holdo able to turn around and accelerate into hyperspace if you needed if you needed fuel to activate hyperspace in which you would be a sitting duck, then how are you able to chug along the whole movie, be running on fumes by the end of the movie, turn around, and then use said hyperspace that you've informed the audience takes up the rest of your gas? Now, gas is a thing that they chose to establish. I mean, I'm fine with never even hearing the word fuel in all of Star Wars, <laughs> but if you want to establish it to me and say, this is a big problem, it's what the whole movie hinges on, and then kind of break the laws of your own creation, it was it was distracting for me, and I think a lot of fans, where you're like, okay, again, what's the main per- point of this movie? What's the conflict? Why is it there? The conflict is only there to show these visuals, and it's as if 
there was just not a whole lot of care given, and therefore it was just a movie that there wasn't a lot of tension given to the movie in that area, and I don't think it tracked well with a lot of people. Counterpoint. Those are things I never considered, and I think part of that is because of uh, the point I actually wanted to make, is that I think The Last Jedi tells an emotional Star Wars story, and for me, whenever I watch any film or read a book or a, a comic or a TV show or whatever, what I focus on is what is this story what what emotions and what thoughts are is this is this story trying to evoke for me and for me again i because i am so enamored with the it's not fighting what we hate it's saving what we love and how even though yeah you've got the plot holes that you've mentioned ultimately you have dichotomies between characters some of them are showing this is what happens when you act based on fear or anger or hate and this is this is what happens when you act on love. Whether or not you like the Enneagram, that's fine, but I'm an eight. and um, Don't know what that means. Okay, so uh, one of the uh, characteristics of an eight is that um, an eight is very protective of their people. So y'all are my brothers. If people mess with you, I'm going to go punch them. Um, so, Greg um, was messing with me. Oh, well, this is, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> no. um, but uh, but I, I also know in my worst moments, I am inclined to act in anger in, in that. I, I, it's, it, it makes me angry when somebody messes with somebody I love. Uh, or, or somebody I love gets hurt. And my knee-jerk reaction is, I'm going to go punch you. <laughs> <laughs> Offending party. But um, ultimately, um, I love that line because of what it reminds me to do is that I don't need to act in anger. I need to do... I need, I need to act in love. And that means caring for the people in my circle. And I think ultimately that's what The Last Jedi does. So Ashley's response whenever someone steps out of line... <laughs> I think her point was like that she Adam. shouldn't do that. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, gonna try not to do that. <laughs> um, so that was kind of creating a new point. Do I rebut to that? Do you want to give her? No. Point? Do you want to? Do you want to? I mean, you can just take two two more minutes to expound on that point. Yeah, it's your point. Yeah. Well, so I mean, effectively, what I, I was saying, I did not notice those plot holes mm. that you mentioned, and uh, the the sciency stuff. Star Star Wars is fuzzy on science. I don't care. I, I think sure. ultimately it doesn't matter that much. But the I think you could really, in a lot of ways, sum up a lot of Star Wars in within with that line too. Especially the Yoda line from I believe that's Empire or oh no, or is that or is that pretty? No, that, that's that's Episode Three. Episode Three. Yeah. Yeah. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate, hate leads to suffering. suffering. Yeah. So um, hate leads to suffering, but uh, then again, what else is there? Don't break into her time. Go ahead. Yeah, go, go, go. Uh, it's fine. Ultimately, you, you've got you've got that line that that kind of that line of thinking throughout the the whole thread. You know, whether you start with the original trilogy or prequel trilogy, that that same idea is is still put to the forefront. And I think the Last Jedi sums that idea up very very well. In in the it's not fighting what we hate, it's saving what we love. Counterpoint. Yeah, no, honestly, like, I love, I love that. Like, I, I've got a nephew, he's been introduced to Star Wars, it's the greatest thing ever watching with him, and he doesn't love The Last Jedi that, like, well, he he's, he likes all of them, but, like, he, like I think episode, like, seven is, like, his favorite, or, or, no, sorry, episode seven is, like, his third favorite, he gives me his rankings all the time. <laughs> he loves Kylo Ren, though. Like, like just because I, I don't think they're great movies, 
you know, I think in the subjective, the fact that I don't like them and somebody else does, it still makes me happy. You know, like the right. fact that you can get those themes out of it, you know, it makes me it makes me happy. Like right. I'm so glad that you like that. Uh, on the on the objective side of how that story is told within the movie, I obviously I have objections specifically with this one because unfortunately I think they do a poor job of even that because you have the character Rose, which is I guess supposed to be the embodiment of this, right? Because she brings it to the forefront of saying, hey, this is not how we do things. And again, I pointed out at the beginning at ways that she kind of didn't really uh, demonstrate that. But you also have this really personal one where she goes back to the planet where she was enslaved at and she destroys everything. (laughs) I I think there is a difference between dismantling um, slavery versus... Did she dismantle slavery in any way? I I mean, she she certainly messed stuff up for a little bit. I think she probably hurt a lot of people, maybe killed some people. I think she released a lot of animals and then there is a bunch of slaves still enslaved and we got to see that still at the end of the movie. And it was confusing just because that was her main purpose. She even said, or it was Finn that was like, but that was good. It was good to make him hurt. And I was like, how is this thematically accurate to what these characters are going through in any way? And she's like, it was worth it. So literally getting captured, the mission, saving people you love... It was worth it just to go out and hurt these people. And like, and so it confuses me, for me, myself, lashing onto themes like that. To where it's like, to hearing somebody that watched that movie and got such good themes, it's like, I'm happy. And I think that that's great. But I think, objectively, as a movie, it's not whether, like, I like it, or I dislike it, and you like it. It's like, was it good? I don't think it was very good, just because I don't think it hit home for enough people in that area. For kind of confusing reasons like that, where you're like... What are, they, what are they doing over there? Like, they're just... I don't know. Like, I, I think Canto Bite is... is it, sorry, it's... Yeah, we didn't really get into it. Go ahead, yeah. Like, oh, oh, Canto Bite, I, I think, is interesting because um, without Canto Bite, you don't have Finn truly joining the Resistance. Um, because Finn sees, yeah, this is actually what we're fighting against. But I think also, you, again, this is you get this deconstruction of Star Wars where um, DJ uh, All right, is pa- like... pause on the deconstruction because I actually okay. wanted you to start from the beginning. Okay. Uh, explain how the Last Jedi is a deconstruction of Star Wars. Just take we'll take five minutes and explain because I'm I'm not seeing it. Okay, this so, is like an open discussion. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. like an open end. I just want you because we're all right. The debate is over. We'll talk closing statements. Just go through how is how is the Last Jedi deconstruction of Star Wars? Because you said that. Um, okay, so just from a purely structural standpoint, it's Empire in reverse. Okay, you know they start out they are on the run, and at the end of Empire. They're on the run. You've got big battle in the middle. Um, you've got Ray trying to figure out her identity. Mirrors with you know Luke finding out Darth Vader's his father. You've also got and then a, I think you know, a big one. You, this I I'm totally blanking on the name of the salt planet in um, not Hoth. Yeah, but but but, but basically uh, visually you 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 conjure up images of Hoth. Well, that was yeah. very deliberate. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so so you've got. Salt planet versus ice planet. So just from a purely structural standpoint, that was one thing. Uh, I mean, because when I watched The Last Jedi for the first time, I was like, it's been a while since I've seen Empire, but I think it's Empire in reverse. Um, <laughs> and and I, I think you could you could make that argument pretty well. So just from a purely structural standpoint, it's Empire in reverse. You've got, you hit a lot of those same points as well, especially with Rey wanting to know where she comes from, Luke finding out where he comes from, that sort of thing. So I think just structurally, it's Empire in reverse deconstruction you have the line this is not going to go the way you think because i mean what is what is this entire discussion (laughs) has been uh you you guys arguing well this isn't how a star wars film works and i'm arguing 
it doesn't have to be that way. I don't know. That's exactly our. Yeah, argument. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's my argument at all. I don't think my argument is like this isn't this. You, you shouldn't do such a thing in a Star Wars film. I would say. But I, that, I've heard you. Sorry, I've heard you repeatedly say Ryan Johnson doesn't know anything about Star Wars. Yes, and, so, and I, I would like, like, did he? Has he explicitly said he doesn't know yes, anything about yeah, Star Wars? Okay, yes, okay. he explicitly says I, he knows I nothing about Star Wars. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I say that not because I'm looking at this movie saying he knows nothing about Star Wars, okay. but when you think about it. So here's my here. Let me give you my hot take. Yes. My big hot take go, on, on go this for movie it, because clearly everything I've said is so a hot I take. think <laughs> I think Ryan was trying to do a subversion, and he very clearly stated I wanted to subvert people's expectations. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but the thing is, when I look at how he executed them, the executions just none of them hit for me. None of them hit for me. I, I think some places, I think a lot, for a lot for a lot of them, he didn't go far enough. And I think he couldn't go as far as you needed to to make a really, actually good, subversive Star Wars movie because he had such a surface-level knowledge of Star Wars. The whole, you know, laser swords and space wizards, that's what a layperson thinks about Star Wars. That's like, oh, what is Batman? Batman's just a guy, he's a guy who fights crime in his pajamas. He's some rich guy who fights crime in his pajamas, right? So a person who only knows that much about Batman, I would not trust to write a subversive Batman story. So I, to me, Last Jedi... He, let me give you a hot, some hot takes about what I think should have happened in Last Jedi. Oh right. boy, here we go. I think. Sorry, I think you keep a lot of the stuff, right? I think the theme of the themes that you've been touching on, I think those are all great. I think the you know, okay, so Luke saying this is not going to go the way you think it is, but it's just it's just again, if it's just Empire in Reverse, that's not actually that subversive to take an existing movie and just flip it, right? He should have done something completely new. Really, what should have happened is again throwing away all the stuff that all the wasted character potential of Poe not really accomplishing anything, Finn not really accomplishing anything. You know, very they had they each had like one minor character moment of growth right. where they could have had a lot more. Ignoring them for now, I think Ray and Kylo actually showed a lot, which of course was completely erased by Rise of Skywalker, which was frustrating. But here's what would have made it truly subversive. Kylo comes back to the light side and Rey goes to the dark side. That would have been subversive. But and I think the turning point for that... I don't know that it would have been subversive because everybody was saying that. <laughs> well, but he didn't do it, right? And so so Rey and... But the thing is, Rey and Kylo both come really, really close to the center. Or maybe they both just say, pull a Luke and say, we're abandoning all of this. We're throwing it all away and we're we're going on our journey. But but they never the Kylo and Ray come so close and then they just snap back at the end. And so all their their whole arc ends up resulting in not a whole lot because Kylo like gets really close to the light side, really close to the light side, and they just like all right, we're gonna blow up the whole base. And Ray comes really close to dark side, really close to dark side, and then she's like, "I'm the last Jedi, woohoo!" So I think Ryan builds up a lot of stuff, but then just never pays anything off in any meaningful way. So. I, you talk about a deconstruction or subversion, but none of the stuff he did was satisfactory in terms of character development. Now, of course, Rise of Skywalker again erased all that. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. I think I mean you haven't talked a whole lot about the subversion thing, which you know I don't know if you're intentionally doing that or not, but I'm glad just because she's subverting our expectations I, I, about talking I, I, about I th- subversion. I think subversion in itself as as a form of like writing and just telling a story period it makes no sense like like i think the, the guy who wrote game of thrones i'm blanking on his name uh, uh two guys the, wrote, wrote the, the are you talking about the books, wrote the books yeah uh george r. r martin yeah so so he has the, in this interview where he somebody asks him a question and, and about subversion about something being kind of like like oh uh, you kind of expect that to happen and he's like well i could also have like aliens come down in the middle of my my story and that would subvert all of you, but that wouldn't make any sense. And it would be it would be like disingenuine to you as a reader to like you would have had no way to know that. There's no hints to be like oh and, and like and like there's like small little like have you ever seen the Book of Eli? 
Uh, I like that movie. I have not. I have been so, told so just, it's, it's not like that. So, uh, like, talking uh, about the uh, ending? Dang it, I don't want to spoil it now. Um, um, uh, there is a big character moment uh, at the very, very end yeah. that completely casts a new light on the entire film. Right. And it's really right. good. But, but, gotcha. but, but my whole okay. point in that movie is that there are there are subtle things throughout the whole movie intentionally done yeah. by the director yeah. to allow the audience a little bit of time to go, maybe maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, and maybe you have a few of them that caught on. But either way, by the end, you can look back and go, oh, oh that made so much yeah. sense. Whereas so, subversion, for the point of yeah. subversion, doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you choose to not explain things. Yeah. And in some cases, just saying, it's Star Wars. Anything can happen. Yeah. Because that's n- actually not how, like, Star Wars operates within works. its own Star Wars rules. And to throw everything out doesn't give the audience a chance to enjoy anything. Yeah. And I think and I think it's unfair to say the people who didn't like it just didn't like the fact that their expectations were subverted. Right. I'm fine with it. Again, right. I think, yeah, I think I a lot beginning. of the stuff he did could have worked. If it had been executed better, anything I can think, if you execute yeah, it. Good. I, I think. I mean, I think. I think some of the complaints we've had were like, mm-hmm. well, that was just either lazy writing or 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 bad storytelling. But I think a lot of the big character moments, a lot of the stuff that you loved, I think there's there's stuff there's good stuff in the Last Jedi, but it just wasn't done by someone who really loved. Just we talked about Lord of the Rings being a labor of love, and I don't right. think this is true for JJ either. I think this is you can see the whole Disney thing. Prequels, as flawed as they are. Clearly, George Lucas loved what he was doing. Right. You just don't feel that with the with the with the uh, sequel trilogy. Even the theme, like so, the theme you talk about, mm-hmm. which is not not destroying what you hate, but but it's not, it's not fighting what you hate; it's saving what you love. Wouldn't you say that's most embodied in Episode Six when Luke throws his lightsaber down with a chance to kill the most evil, menacing character ever, and it's his love that ultimately saves him? Yeah. And in which case, you'd look at the Last Jedi and you'd say, "What is the moment that embodies that?" Because would you call it Rose knocking Finn out of the air? Because I think I think you have individual moments throughout the film versus one big moment, like in the Return of the Jedi. What were some of those individual moments? I, I think you may have touched on them. I'm I sorry for list. making you repeat. No, yourself. no, you're fine. I have a list. Oh, you know, you want to know something we haven't talked about? What if we not Snoke. Talk? Let's let her talk. Her. Let's, let's a- not get essay. too distracted. Yeah, here. Essay. There, there, there are things that I think. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, anyway. let's get to the list. <laughs> uh, there are things. There are so many things that I think. So I think. Let's see. I think if you want to talk a big moment in which we see in action fighting what we hate versus saving what we love, Kylo Ren, blinded by anger and just utter fury at Luke even showing up on the Salt Planet, is like fire every gun on that man. Which is, uh, I mean, it is the very definition of overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're. Blast! You're taking all of your the things that are not ATATs, the the gorilla walkers, and we can call them. Uh, yeah, we can call yeah. adats. Yeah, let's call them whatever. Gorilla walkers. You all, you've got all of these weapons firing on one man, and and <laughs> even Hux is like, don't you think that's a bit excessive? They're <laughs> like, yes. And then of course you got Kylo Ren, who's super grumpy, and is like, yeah, just do it, whatever. And so that is the very definition of of hate fighting with with in, intent of hatred versus Luke, who. Ultimately, his diversion gives the resistance time to escape. You know, he's he's a force projection, brushes the shoulder off. His his act, and even even in every single fight, when when Kylo comes down uh, to fight him one to one, all of his moves are are defensive moves. He's dodging, he's moving out of the way. He's not even like raising the lightsaber mm-hmm. to to hit him. That's saving what we love. I mean, and it's that same principle that you get at the end of the Return of the Jedi, where he he. Turns off his lightsaber and he says, "I'm not going to fight you, Father." Right, but um, also, but also at the end of Episode Six, he didn't like dance around around Darth Vader and then 
kind of wink at him and say, well, see you later, man, and then brush his shoulder off and kind of insult him, he was mm -hmm. super humble and changed him through his love. Whereas him reapproaching Ben, who is somebody that he admittedly tried to yeah, kill. Yeah, he should have apologized. Yeah, yeah. He gets out there and he is completely arrogant. He's, he's doing this, like, for the purpose of... I, I think for the purpose of making the crowd laugh because he has a couple moments where he comically swipes his sleeve off right. and then dodges him a bunch and then kind of like snickers at him. And you're kind of like, you're kind of a jerk. Like, like what is like, yeah, uh, I, I know what he was doing. Right. Like, and, and to the I, I story, it got, made sense. You got the layer of this is also a diversion for the resistance yeah. to escape. Yeah, oh, that made sense. And, and but my opinion is like was like it didn't seem like like love right like he he already gave an example of this where he did show love in a really real way to me love would have been I'm gonna go out there as my actual body form distract mm -hmm. him and then die I think logistically there's no way for him to get there at that point he had oh, his X wing true uh, well it's uh, it, but yeah 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 uh, we we don't need to worry about no, could it, he have gotten there no, yeah or not. I, I was just saying thematically to follow that theme mm -hmm. it just seems like. That didn't even hit hit as hard as themes that have already been hit on in, in Star Wars in the past that, that have that exact same element. Whereas, like, I mean, I didn't necessarily connect to that moment, what, what you're saying. I don't know if a lot of people did. I'm obviously happy that you did. Objectively, though, as a movie, did it good, do a good job explaining that? I'm not too sure. Like, he kind of seemed, like, snickery and, and, and yeah. douchey the whole time. But he did allow them to escape. So, ultimately, I mean, you're right. Like, it, it was, he ultimately saved what he loved. Although the person that said we're going to save what we love had no idea that they were going to be saved. <laughs> Presumably they would have all been destroyed behind her. And then she kissed Finn, which makes no sense, considering that they did a whole entire movie kind of building tension between him and Rey. And him and Poe. And, and then <laughs> Rey, who hated Kylo Ren for killing Han Solo, is now kind of feeling Kylo Ren. Again, because Yeah, Raylo was... That's a weird I, ship. I, and I, say, and I, again, I know people that ship it, and... You know, different strokes for different folks, but I, <laughs> I, like I, uh, I, like I don't, I don't see it. And, and honestly, and I think part of it is. It didn't Disney even say like the uh, the kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker was a like, friendship kiss? No, as someone who is who is physically affectionate, I hug and kiss everybody, but not like that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that, that was, was not a friendship kiss. I'm from Miami. We kiss on the cheek when we say hello and goodbye to people. That was not nah, a friendship kiss. No. Also, I just I, I think it would have been hilarious right he he brings her back to life and then dies and then she brings it and it just goes back and forth i know i if she kisses him back does, does he... i have that <laughs> written in my notes while watching the first time i go i go dot 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 waiting for her to bring him back to life for him right. to bring her back to life oh he disappeared never mind never mind <laughs> and then doesn't come back as a force ghost which boggled my mind anyways oh, that's not... we didn't even get into force ghosts. Uh, no we... and, oh, and that's that's something that is you really only get details about how that works within the Clone Wars animated series. Like you get, yeah. you get like touches of it and hints at it, but uh, Yoda mentions at the very end of Episode Three mm -hmm. that Qui Gon found a way to come back as a Force Ghost, right, essentially. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. and... Which is like you're over-explaining, man. Right. <laughs> That's right. That. but Snoke. So Snoke, I didn't need a lot of backstory from Snoke. Well, this like, is, here's this is here's really... the line. I'm, here's I'm the gonna... line that made me angry that he killed him off so quickly. When he has the flashback. And Luke explains why he tried to attack tried to attack Ben. He says, I knew Snoke had gotten to him. I'm like, okay, now you have to explain Snoke. Because they clearly have been fighting Snoke for a long time. He just popped, as far as we know, 
Force Awakens is the first time the Resistance has ever encountered him. But now you're telling me they've been dealing with this guy for a long time. You got to give this me is gonna a, be a hard little one something. To talk about within the realm of okay, DLJ ignoring ignoring rise. It's hard to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's ignoring rise, rise of Skywalker, Skywalker explaining because... that away, which obviously was not. We're we're thinking about last Jedi. This is hard to do now that Rise of Skywalker has come out. Right. But within the last Jedi, Ryan had no plan for. Palpatine to come back and yeah. to be right, right. And, and again, this thing. is the whole discussion of there was clearly not enough work done on the yes. back end behind yes. this trilogy. Yes. Like, yes. To, I think we can to, all agree. Yeah, yes. we all agree and, about and, that. And here's what frustrates me so much about Last Jedi: is Knives Out was brilliant, was a subversion yeah. of Brian Johnson's a good, movies. Good like, director. Brian Johnson is a damn good yeah. director. So why did Last yeah. Jedi not work? I, I think there are a couple reasons. I don't think it's. I don't think I'm not going to say Brian Johnson. A couple was completely the problem. A, why would you hire one director to direct the middle sequel of a movie, of a trilogy, and not the other two? B, they clearly had no plan as to what was happening. They just said, you're directing it, you're you're in control. And there was no, obviously JJ and Ryan had no talk between them, about, you know, here's what we're planning for the trilogy. Again, this is going to get us into talking about other movies, and I'm going to try I, to keep it as concise yeah, yeah. Right, as I right, can. Right, right. And, and three, Disney really should have hired people who were passionate about Star Wars. Well, uh, again, I don't mind even somebody coming in and writing something that's very different from the other Star Wars, mm-hmm. but they should at least know... I think like, Mandalorian is very different from other Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Mandalorian is brilliant. And the Mandalorian is the great equalizer. Everybody loves the Mandalorian. Exactly. Because... <laughs> because and, see, that's what you do when you, when you take... And, and, and so I think Mandalorian is a great example of being in the universe but doing your own thing right. like it's all Star Wars stuff that you recognize and so I'm a little nervous about season 2 because they're saying well Ahsoka Tano is coming in and Captain Rex is coming in and all these other things from other series mm-hmm. like don't don't poison the Mandalorian the Mandalorian let it be its own thing that's just set in the Star Wars universe try not to get too off topic let's just try to talk about yeah. Snoke within TLJ Snoke within TLJ it, he it, did it's, nothing. It's, it's a bit confusing for a lot of reasons, right. just because. And I and I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I think it's, it, again, it's hard to talk about him in light of like the fact that he was Palpatine the whole time. Like, uh. but anyways, not knowing that at that point, knowing that he is the menacing evil, you've only got a limited number of antagonists in a world that hasn't been built very well. I mean, I didn't even get into a lot of the where are we at in the universe? Like, who is the superpower? You destroyed a few planets. Is the Republic completely dead? If the Republic's dead, what are the other planets doing if right after you made this crazy gesture to blow up innocent planets your big gun was destroyed (laughs) you're telling me all the other star systems aren't like what's going on tlj just starts off and it's like the resistance rule or or, or like or the first order dot like rules i think is the first like line of it and you're like how like world building you got to do a little better job because now i have no idea like who and again i I think this is a a situation where disney is leaning uh, trying to push people towards the secondary material and that's it's clearly not worth. Yeah, it. Yeah, well, but it, but it's 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 not fair to the viewer who is who's no. just tuning in and going, how do we get like you're clearly just kind of wanting yeah, to create moments like 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 and again not to not to change the movies too much but like like episode seven was comically episode four regardless of whether episode eight was reverse episode five or not it was it mirrored episode five in a lot of ways and, and then and, and then nine of, was episode six but worse and instead of doing the work to write <laughs> your even say it's even and, close to and in, do, in doing your oh, in terms of quality no and in doing in order to do that you have to do the work of writing yourself to get into those back into those positions because that's not how you left after episode six the whole universe was different and instead they were just like things are back to the way they were because and you're like well why and like, uh, just because, and now, so now we're still in TLJ, nothing's been solved. You're like, why are they still the superpower? The Death Star's been destroyed. And then you have Snoke, who's the ruler, but he's not like, like, regardless of whether you hate the prequels or not, they did flesh out one of the most interesting characters in Star Wars, which is Emperor Palpatine. And you really get a deep dive into how he came into power, because it's such an extreme thing. And instead, now we have Snoke, who is in power? 
Question mark. I guess. And then. And also a Sith Lord, question mark? And then he's the one that's doing the forced Skype calls between the two of them. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't make any sense. He admits to to that at the end, so then Ray's like... And then it, well, like, and then you have the I, I question: Is is Snoke even a reliable narrator? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I was, had the same like, question was, about Kylo Ren too. Yeah, was Snoke trying? Was Snoke? Did Snoke want Kylo, or did he want Ray? Which was it? He. It's totally unclear. Also, did he? Did he just flip flop? Was like, oh damn, Ray got it going on. I want her. See you, Kylo, nerdy ass white boy, get out of here. Uh, Snoke is very sassy in my mind because hey, that's the only characterization I got because he didn't get any. <laughs> also, I just had an epiphany, guys. I just realized what happened. The sequel trilogy is Disney's live-action remakes of the original trilogy. It all lights up! What if this was true? We need to analyze this. What if they all... It's it's just this this huge (laughs) allegory of the original? That'd be pretty wild. But but something that I find to be hilarious is is that Kylo Ren is idolizing... Darth Vader this whole time, mm-hmm. right? I, I I never understood that <laughs> who, because who who, who, cleared, who repented <laughs> at the end? Yeah, killed the Emperor came back as a Force Ghost of himself. Where is his Force Ghost popping up? And being like, dude, dude, that's no, not me. I, right? Like, like, why is his Force Ghost? Well, maybe just, it's because uh, finish what it's you started, young, grandfather. Young Wait, you mean destroy the Empire versus old Anakin? Liar! But, but he says, "I finish what you started, grandfather." What you mean dis- dismantling the Empire? Yeah, like, <laughs> like so, continuing to kill people, like like. Be, and then finish what you... St- Never mind. Uh, again, it's because is too the, the reason about, like, is if he, if he emulates Darth Vader, he gets a cool helmet. If he em- em- emulates Emperor Palpatine, he's got to put old person makeup on. <laughs> it was... It, yeah, I he mean, to, Snoke, uh, I think we can force all agree. Some people yeah, yeah. It was silly. Which, force lightning some wrinkles into his face. Yeah. But, Unlimited! Yeah, I, I don't think we can go any further yeah. without getting yeah. to that. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, so we let's, let's wrap this up, and we will continue, maybe not next week, but on a later date, we'll jump into Rise of Skywalker and, and look. We'll look at Rise of Skywalker, we'll and we'll all agree that there will be no debating. And then, regardless of the merits of the individual films, that the trilogy as a whole is just a mess, yeah. a hot mess. You're a hot mess. You're back, look, you've got nothing to lose. But I've already lost my temper. Sorry, don't Chromeo. It's Chromeo. I'm gonna play us out with that. Okay, that's good because I don't know what that is. Chromeo's like a techno punk, techno pop band. They're actually really, I, really good. I figured that sounded. Like uh, a techno so. Pop. Let's do real quick closing statement, and we'll start since we started with Ashley. We'll start with Greg. Closing statement. Closing statement on the Last Jedi. Um, yeah, on a subjective personal level, I obviously don't like the Last Jedi. I, on a subjective level, I I like that people can like it and find really really interesting and cool and fun themes that the movie was clearly trying to do. Um, on an objective level, I can't get behind behind the fact that it's a good movie. I think it's a very bad movie for the reasons that I said. Um, in this debate, but again, I, I enjoy talking about it on both levels. I enjoy having a conversation with somebody where it's, I like this movie, I don't like this movie, let's talk about why we like it and why we don't like it, as opposed to, I think this is a good movie, I don't think this is a good movie, let's have like a formal debate. I like on both of those fronts, and I think that we land on different sides of this, but I really enjoyed hearing why you liked the, the uh, TLJ, um, as well as some of the defenses on on the objective value of the movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to say something similar. I will make the very hot take statement of this is my favorite Star Wars movie. And I think it is my favorite Star Wars movie because of how it makes me feel and how it makes me react on an emotional level. Mm. While I, you know, obviously I have 
wonderful nostalgic memories of running around with a ra- wrapping paper tube and bonking my sister on the head hey. um, because that was <laughs> that was my lightsaber as a child. Those are lightsabers, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. You always had to be like, we need to wrap as many presents as possible. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, so while I have nostalgic memories of the original trilogy, I have nostalgic memories even of the prequel trilogy because I was mm, 13 when the episode yeah, one came yeah. out. Yeah, so I was still pretty young when those came out and hadn't watched a lot of movies at that point. So, you know, I didn't recognize the problems. I was just like, oh yeah, more Star Wars, holla! For me, I think the emotional impact that I get from The Last Jedi is greater than any of the other Star Wars films, and that's why it's my favorite. I'll also um, kind of echo what Greg said. This is this particular film is my Star Wars, but it's not somebody else's Star Wars, and that's fine. Mm. Um, I think you can make the same argument with a lot of these other big franchises that have had generational gaps in their content like Star Trek. I, I think uh, particularly about uh, my friend's daughter uh, who's about five or six and she watches Star Wars and she's like, I love Wei. She is so uh, brave and beautiful. And, <laughs> and, 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 and like I think, one, that's adorable. Uh, two, I remember being a little girl and being and feeling really lonely because I knew no other girls that loved Star Wars mm. at all. It was I was... 12 when I made a friend that was a girl that liked Star Wars too and liked it as much <laughs> as I did. For me, like I, my favorite thing about the sequel trilogy is Halloween 2015. All of my friends' little girls are, they're all General Leia. They're Princess Leia. They're Rey. They're, you know, all of, all of these new Star Wars ladies. I was like, wow. Like if I ever have a little girl, she's never going to know what it's like to grow up and be the only girl in the room when it comes to nerd stuff. And I, that makes me incredibly happy. And so I, I think we wouldn't have that without the last Jedi is yeah. the moral of the story. So I, again, one of the most biggest frustrations, which continued into rise of Skywalker, which we'll definitely talk about when we get that discussion, uh, was that the last Jedi just didn't pay off any of the character stuff that I was hoping would happen from force awakens. I was like, here, you've introduced all these interesting characters. You got Ray, you got Finn, you got Poe. I really want to see how these characters develop and like take on their own thing. And then I just feel like that just didn't get paid off. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially Finn and Poe, especially Finn and Poe. I think there was some interesting stuff that just really fell flat for me. And again, where it comes in this trilogy, this whole trilogy, that's just complete an incoherent mess makes it worse for me. It was uh, when I saw it, I enjoyed it. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wait, that didn't make sense. Wait, that didn't make sense. Wait, why did this happen? Why would you do that? And so I just got angrier and angrier until I was like, okay, I don't, I, I've officially moved from, I enjoyed that movie too. I actually don't enjoy this movie anymore. Even though it had some really cool moments, even though it has some really interesting things. But I think that the idea that, hey, even if you could, okay, let's, let's just say for, for sake of argument that Last Jedi is objectively the worst Star Wars movie ever. The fact that you have that emotional attachment to it makes it the best Star Wars movie ever. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about film. Right. Um, art in general. I mean, yeah. Yeah, about awesome. art in general is that art can move you emotionally. So even if, so so when you're talking with someone like, I don't understand how they could like something that's so bad. Listen, buddy, get over yourself. <laughs> sure. uh, but I do think there's one thing that happened in Last Jedi that you can't defend. Okay. Ryan straight iced Phasma. She didn't get to do anything. I was so disappointed. I, well, Don't you know what? To be fair, box. JJ didn't give her a fair shake either. Yeah, no, JJ didn't either. No. Phasma got Boba Fetted so hard, and I was so excited for her. It, uh, why I don't understand why you write Gwendolyn F. and Christie a check. I know. Who is, you know, has why all... Why did you pay her this money? Yeah. You, to do nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. You <laughs> know, the sad so, part is I, it, it could have... I don't want to break anybody's heart. It could have not even been Gwendolyn Christie. We'll never know. Well, <laughs> well, well, the thing was, it was originally supposed to be Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and they're all 
like, dude, this is a sausage fest. We need more ladies. And so let's add Phasma. And then they had her do nothing. I was like, what a waste of a really cool potential character. Let's just hope that we get a Phasma series because Mandalorian's paying off all our all our Boba Fett The Phasma novel is really, really good. It's a, it's a, um, you find out how Phasma became Phasma, which is, which is really cool. That's, it's like Star Wars meets Mad Max Fury Road. Which is awesome. So I want to um, watch that movie. It's I know it'd be a really cool movie. The uh, Kelly Thompson's uh, Phasma um, short series in the comics is, is pretty good. I've read that too. You get you you find out how Phasma got out of the trash compactor, yeah. basically. Um, but... R2 shut down all the trash <laughs> on the detection <laughs> level. Shut down all the trash. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> like, yeah, woo! we're gonna oh, be. I've killed them. They're screaming in pain. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. but. Uh, yeah, and that's like that's not just this movie or or the JJ movie. It, Star Wars it, has a habit of of building up some really cool characters yeah. and then just being like, Do, doing uh, we don't have time for them. them. Yeah, it's it, it's Boba Fett. It's frustrating. Phasma, but but hey, Boba Fett might actually get his chance now in Mando season two. And, maybe- and will Phasma get her chance again? The ancillary stuff, I'm not counting that. Mm-hmm. Although a Mandalorian mm-hmm. ancillary, I have, uh, I, I, w- I have yeah. a hot take that oh, Mandalorian's oh, going to oh. start going downhill. No, I'm, don't I'm, say I don't it. want it to. I, 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 I Here's why I'm hopeful. Really well. Here's why I'm hopeful for Mando. It's because it's in the hands of people who love Star Wars. That's right. true. It it and really who have said things. we're open to what fans are saying. Like we're open to feedback from fans. Well, I, I, because I, think, I would say you you need to be open to feedback. Yeah, yeah. No, but you don't say, need to let it gonna, write your whole yeah, movie. Absolutely. Which was the Rise absolutely. of Skywalker. It was a laundry list of here are all the things fanboys got grumpy about. I don't think any fanboys wanted Palpatine to come back. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you you think that people were very happy about it, but nobody liked that movie. Oh no, and, see, and that's the point. Is like here are all the things you're grumpy about. We're going to give them to you. Yeah, actually, that sucked. So um, let's do something different. Yeah. Um, Again, but, it's, yeah. Well, fanboys don't know what they want until until you get it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, then they're like, "No, I, that's not what I wanted." And I was like, "No, that's exactly I think what they just you didn't wanted. want them to have yeah. happened in the first place. Right. And I, just I, fixing them the way he did didn't." At the end anything. of the day, what we want is a good story, well told. Right. Yeah. And I don't think any of the sequel movies ultimately hit really, truly hit that mark mm-hmm. of a good story, well told. I think they're they're all they're all. It's funny. They're it's all just, uniquely like, flawed in their me, own way. Part of me <laughs> had wished that they just weren't Star Wars movies. Like if it was just like a story about space travel. Like TLJ could have been really interesting and evoked all those emotions, and I probably could have enjoyed it. In, in but the fact that it was like you're kind of crossing all these lines that have already been drawn, like you, you've got to you got to operate within that. You've got to hopefully tell this coherent story across several movies to where characters' arcs make sense, and like you're 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 using characters that we can relate to over several yeah. movies, as opposed to like introduce a character, kill him off, introduce like he he almost like he just wanted his own stuff. Like he introduces Rose, he introduces Holdo. And it's like nobody knows these characters. Like it's hard to connect to them. Not because I'm a guy and they're a girl, but it's hard to connect. Well, he just, he threw just them straight in up there. killed Holdo. So right, and and again, and then I, Rose got sidelined in Rise Rose, of Skywalker. Let's how, be real. Rose got killed. <laughs> how how much do and, and that's the thing is like we don't know. I mean, obviously there was clearly not enough done on the back end for this entire sure. trilogy of yeah. movies, but. How much of this is the uh, directors kind of pushing these different characters uh, or writing these different characters? Like, I mean, who, what's going on in the so, writers' room? So I don't, I don't know remember. about I don't know about the yeah. JJ ones, yeah. but I know that Ryan was very hands on for the writing of Last Jedi. Okay, but so and and then they're like, what what didn't what did make sense to me 
now this is uh, this is going to be a backhanded compliment. I don't understand why after the the backlash that Last Jedi got, Disney was like, okay, he's getting his own trilogy. However, I will say after watching Knives Out, I'm actually kind of excited for Ryan to do his own trilogy where I he there's nothing for him to spoil, there so he least, can just yeah, yeah there there like, be coherent. Well, yeah. and, and I think the, the the other challenge that you're running into is like you are. You, you are writing within the Skywalker saga. Yeah, no, and I'm glad that that's there, over. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, like, there's there's a certain amount where... Uh, there's a certain degree to where nothing is going to make 100% of people happy at any point. Oh, I agree. I agree. I just... I think J.J. stayed way too safe, and Ryan Ryan tried to subvert something he didn't understand. I think those ultimately... Those are the big flaws of... of the big pitfalls for both of those directors mm-hmm. is that Ryan didn't have an, a, a good enough grasp on Star Wars... The, the Star Wars universe to make a, a, a completely coherent film and JJ tried to pander too much and so and they both fall flat on different for different reasons even though I think there's a lot of good stuff in them I think there's a lot of interesting character moments and interesting things that happen mm-hmm. it's just realistically I think they if, even if you're going to switch to Ryan as the second director you should have had them sit down and say here's what here's what we're, here's our arc this is mm-hmm. what we want to happen mm-hmm. how it happens Maybe it doesn't matter so much, but at the end of the day, characters start here and end here, and then you can go wild. And I think that would have saved the franchise. But I'm excited to see where Star Wars goes next, because as we've, as we've seen, when you get out of the Skywalker saga, you get good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's 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 end, it's because we're we're Woo. we're gonna run over. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that was our takes on the Last Jedi. Remember, if you like the movie, then it's a good movie. If you don't like the movie. Then it's a bad movie. No one can tell you right. otherwise. So you talked about the the throne room scene, right? Mm-hmm. If you like freeze frame it and break it down, it's like a terribly choreographed fight scene. But I would say it's still fun to watch. Visually, so you really can fun. enjoy it and you can hate it for two different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So move the art is subjective at the end of the day. I think that's the main point. Art is subjective, and it's fine to like a movie. It's fine to not like a movie. I do think you should be able to explain why you like a movie, why you don't like a movie. Right. So yeah, let's just wrap up. Ashley, where can people find you? Oh. Right. You can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash thenerdyblogger. You can tweet me at thenerdyblogger. You can read my column uh, on fangirlish.com each Wednesday called hashtag waybackwednesday. Um, and you can read my blog, nerdyblogging.wordpress.com. Have you done Demolition Man yet? I haven't done Demolition Man yet. We have to watch yet. Demolition I, Man. Uh, uh, now, so that's a movie that's bad that I love. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you can find me uh, on Facebook at Chapter One Films. That's one O N E, not the number. Uh, you can email me, Greg at Chapter One Films dot biz. Check out my website, Chapter One Films dot biz. Um, you can find me on YouTube, uh, just Greg Prince. Uh, or me and Nathaniel's cooking show, which is The Kitchen Chemist, which has a new episode coming out <laughs> later this week. It's real, going to be really good. Taste testing cereals. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Chapter underscore O N E underscore films and i am my personal twitter is at holy golem like the pokemon uh, not not why i picked holy golem it's a it's a complex reference that nobody gets i was gonna say uh, I, are, are I, you, I thought about it every I time say, like, are you talking about it's like a biblical thing it's it's like no a, it's like a, a it's like jewish a jewish mysticism, mysticism thing, thing. <laughs> yes there's an episode of gargoyles about that that's uh, why i know go. what it is so, there you go yeah. yes uh the 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 golem was like these clay monsters you put like a scroll in the mouth right. and you write emeth on the yeah. It's it's actually deep lore that I see. You know where I see that pop up a lot? Where? Japanese manga. Yeah, interesting. True. Like a lot of manga, there's a reference to golems in the very in the Jewish mysticism sense. Anyways, yeah. Uh, if you want to tell us your thoughts on the Last Jedi, obviously, just saying bad movie and I hate it. That's not good enough. We're saying there are women in it. I don't like it. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't like your. Kind. 
We don't lack your kind. We don't serve your kind in here. <laughs> your droids. Your droids. I'll have to wait outside. You'll have to wait outside. Which I didn't make it. Like, I'm sorry, were the droids ordering drinks? I said. <laughs> <laughs> that was also my question. The droids keep getting wasted and wrecking the bar. <laughs> Dang Here's some motor oil. oil. We don't got any motor oil. <laughs> Uh, but you can you can tweet us at dearly debated or shoot us an email dearly debated at gmail dot com. So until next time, See may the later. force be with you. May the force be with you, and also with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a hot mess. You act like you've got nothing to do, but I've already lost my temper. I put my love in. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.